This is the Discuss Metal Podcast with Brian Patton of As the Story Grows. Hosted by Dan Terry, presented by DiscussMetal.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Discuss Metal Podcast. This week, I'm super excited to sit down with Brian Patton of As the Story Grows. Uh, you guys may have heard my episode with Brian, uh, I guess, whenever this post. It'll have been a few weeks ago. And um, maybe you guys wanted to hear a little bit more Brian on that. I certainly uh, I certainly wanted to, uh, to to hear more about him. So uh, we decided to, to do this, to have him on... Uh, discuss metal to uh get his side of the story so uh, what are you doing tonight brian just hanging out man i'm under curfew here in st louis uh we went in on curfew at nine o'clock we've been on curfew since six in philly so oh my goodness it's a lot of crazy stuff well to jump into it um i'm gonna just rehash a lot of your same questions back to you and <laughs> kind of kind of uh flip the script a little bit but uh did i ask you questions you asked me some questions <laughs> People kept saying, "People kept saying, oh, he didn't ask you any questions.' I was like, he did ask me questions. Uh, one of them, he one of them, he cut off. Like it just went into uh, to me talking. It was a smooth transition. It's a, <laughs> it's a podcast thing. You wouldn't understand. So uh, where did where did you grow up? Uh, Montgomery County, Maryland, just right outside Washington D.C. So what was it like out there? Um, good, crazy. I am the oldest of eight children. So um, yeah. Life, life was nuts. <laughs> um, well, what, uh, what what got you into music as heavily as, as you're into it uh, now? Oh, man. Um, so I like early on, like when I was seven, six, seven, eight, something like that. Um, I was really into country music. <laughs> like like a growing, we just had country music cassettes and them watching CMT all the time. Like big Garth Brooks fan and um that shit like that um and then it was like to dive into like cool music and it, it's weird to say cool music but like um the first like tooth and l record i ever heard was uh supertones uh adventures of the oc supertones their debut in 96 um and as soon as i heard it i was like it was nothing i'd ever heard before and i just immediately bought that record and bought like i was like tooth and l records let me buy every record on tooth and l records um, cause that's, that's my personality. It was like, uh, when I first heard under oath on radio, U, my dad, because I love music, got us like a satellite so I could listen to radio, U, uh, Christian radio station in Ohio. And on Fridays they had a metal show and they played under oath the last. And I called up the DJ and I was like, who the fuck is this? I, they're Christian station. So I didn't swear, but, right. um, <laughs> and he was like under oath the last. And I was like, okay. And like, the next day, whatever the search engine of the time was, it wasn't Google. Um, I don't know, Angel File or AOL. I guess it would have been AOL. Uh, <laughs> popped in one of those CDs and dialed up some free internet. Uh, <laughs> AOL. But like found Under Oath and Takehold Records and went to their MP3 page and downloaded every Takehold Records MP3 on their mp3.com page. And then like bought every record and hoodies from bands I liked. It was like, my personality was like, Oh, I like that, and I'm gonna deep dive and get into every single thing involving this music or this label or this scene. Well, the variety uh, with a lot of that stuff too was that the variety that kind of attracted you to it in the sense of like, you know, oh wow, so this is different than this thing. Was it just kind of like a discovery thing for you, or um, was it just like I don't know, I like this one thing from the label, 
hope maybe something else is going to sound like this. Yeah, yeah. It was like, um, I like the Supertones. And we went to Creation Festival that year because the Supertones played. I think Plank I played, Goaty Hook. And there were like all the labels are there with samplers and HM Magazine and Seven Ball Magazine. And so it was just like this accruement of all this stuff and all this knowledge super fast. And then, of course, as people did, you'd open up the cassette tape or the CD and see who the band listed in their thanks. And you'd be like, all right, these are the bands they thank. Those are the bands I'm going to listen to now. So it's like, OK, they, they're thanking Unashamed. Let me go get the Unashamed cassette. They're thanking the Huntington's. Let me get the Huntington's record right. <laughs> did you... Uh you know as far as you know because you're talking like uh what like 96 97 uh yeah. around this time so um how far back did you go as far as some of these bands because i mean if some of these bands go way back was there ever like a like a disconnect between like oh maybe i went too far back no no i mean there were always bands i didn't like like i was never a big plank eye fan of their early material um but I, I still owned it and still bought it and then tried it out because in those days um, you would just buy things based off the label or based off the album artwork. Um, I wasn't going on Spotify to listen to preview it. <clears throat> and then like, even like there was a, a record store and I, I became friends with the guy um, and they sold a lot of tooth and nail stuff. And he would always like, if I went Sunday, he would have the new releases on Tuesday for Tuesday. So on Sundays, he would let me preview and pre-buy the records before they came out. So like, you know, it was like the Tuesday before. I'm, it's so weird that I remember this. Staves Acre, Speakeasy, and Starflyer 59's Everybody Makes Mistakes came out on the same day. And I know because that Sunday I got to listen and buy both of them, you know, three days early. Well, I know, um, you know, whenever, whenever I had gotten into hardcore and we talked about that, how I just was looking for heavier, 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 but it sounds like, it sounds like you kind of were more open to the larger variety of different sounds. So you, you never had that tick of like, Oh, how do I, how do I one up, you know, whatever I've heard with, with something heavier, or was it just like all the experience for you? It was a progression for sure. Like it started with the Supertones and then bands like Plank Eye and Goaty Hook and MXPX and um, way more into the punk and the rock, which got me into skateboarding, which transitioned. I think like for heavy music, it started with P.O.D.'s uh, Brown album and then seeing P.O.D. on the Warriors tour. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, 97 Reborn comes out and like the reject video was playing and I had... Songs from the Penalty Box, Volume 1, with all the heavy music on there. So it was like, yeah, it, I wasn't searching for something heavier all the time. There were phases where it was like, I'm into punk rock more than hardcore. I'm into hardcore. Now I'm into metal. Now I'm into emo. Like, that transition of just like, this is what I'm listening to right now. Now I'm super into hip-hop. And it still happens as an adult where, you know, I'll listen to a bunch of emo records. And, like, currently it's a bunch of hardcore in my life, so... Well, no, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, you know, you you have you you and I have talked in the past about you know um, how your dad took you to concerts uh, a lot in your in those formative years. So, just kind of wanted to get into that a little bit and get your thoughts on you know some of the concerts that he took you to and and how that dynamic worked between you two. Yeah, I think the first concert because I was so into music. Um, the first concert he took me to, there used to be north of where we lived uh, a christian coffee house club called the cave and they would bring in <laughs> hardcore and punk rock shows and um 
it was uh, some Screaming Giant Records bands were supposed to be there. Uh, Jesse and the Rockers and Rod Laver. And uh, Jesse and the Rockers couldn't make it. So it was Rod Laver and uh, Redeemed, who were, they were a Sofa Records band. Um, and they were like metalcore in the vein of like Zayo. Uh, and I just remember seeing Redeemed and my mom came with us to that show and just like having my mind blown and being like, holy shit, like, this is so heavy and intense and this is happening like right in front of me and it was awesome. But yeah, he would take me like, hey, Zayo's playing the VFW hall. Let's go see Zayo. And while all the opening bands were going on, he talked to Jesse Smith the whole time. Um, POD Warriors tour. And he'd take friends to come along with us um, until I could drive and then I would just drive myself. But yeah, from like the age of 13 until I turned 16, like my dad took me to shows like at least twice a week. <laughs> Now, was he into those bands at all, or was he just strictly just doing it because you liked it? He got into some of those bands. He really liked POD. He really liked Blindside. Um, I mean, he did. He did. He wasn't going around listening to Zayo, but um, like, uh, yeah, it was way more. This is what I was into, and um, you know, it was it was a safe scene. But I mean, he took me to see No Innocent Victim and Agnostic Front play together, so I got to see Agnostic Front. But. 14 or 15 <laughs> like, that's that's cool uh, just because they play with no innocent victim at this christian club so it was it was awesome <laughs> <laughs> that had to have been a very interesting dynamic oh yeah it's a lot of fun yeah it's so funny too because a lot of the times you're like yeah no actually the bands got along great and they love each other and <laughs> you right. know all this stuff um you know and you you have kind of a background i know um for a while you had worked with uh audiobooks and and things like that um, what what got you into that field as far as, um, you know, like, I guess, so to speak, I, I don't know, I don't think you recorded audiobooks, but, you know, um, what what got you into kind of like the audio um, voice market, so to speak? Yeah, I did not voice audiobooks. Um, yeah, I went to, um, after high school, kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and so I went to tech school for recording because it was the most school option that had to do with music and bands. And like, you know, in hindsight, looking back, I had a zine in high school, um, an online zine uh, called Alive is Dead, inspired by Zayo. It was X Alive is Dead. I wasn't straight edge, but it was like stylized to cover music. And and I did that zine and I like, I interviewed uh, Ted Cookerly, um, who was on As the Story Grows recently. I did an interview with him for that zine. I did Ronnie Martin from Joy Electric, who I keep trying to get on As the Story Grows, but he won't email me back. Um, <laughs> Aaron Sprinkle, like a couple, like pretty, pretty big name artists at the time or relatively in the small pond that is Christian. I was going to say, those are some pretty music. big fish. Like, yeah. Um, so like, yeah, I was doing that at 15 and 16. And in hindsight, I probably, somebody probably should have been like, you should be a journalist. You should pursue that and writing. Um, but they didn't, and I was not sure what I wanted to do. So I went to tech school for recording, and um, the audiobook gig just kind of came up out of it was a job that I could get at 19 that was relative in my field. Um, that, that proved indispensable um, later in life with the skills I gained because we went from recording just straight audiobooks into mega audio productions um including snakes on a plane the audiobook oh wow yeah yeah when they announced snakes on a plane because we worked in audio and had all this audio equipment 
Um, we thought it would be funny to make an audio trailer that was fake for Snakes on a Plane. So we put together this trailer and we were all like Samuel Jackson. We were we were the ones who came up with the phrase motherfucking snakes on a motherfucking plane. That's awesome. Uh, and so like all this stuff we did and we had a guy who um, did videos. Uh, he did like a different celebrities. He would do impersonation. So he did a snakes on a plane uh, audition video. <laughs> <laughs> and and we got some mild internet buzz in the early days of of you know going viral on the internet right for this and and they ended up changing snakes on a plane to make it a rated R movie and because we had this involvement our boss just reached out to New Line Cinema and was like hey if there's a book version we would do the audiobook version and uh, they let us nice <laughs> uh, so we did the audiobook version which was super cool and then like we got to go to a our own private screening of the film for work on a Friday. And it was awesome. That is really cool. Um, you know, and you, again, it's something I keep bringing up stuff that only you and I have talked about, but uh, right. hopefully they can, you know, the listeners can sift through some of that, but, uh, up, right. Well, do you, uh, you were in a band, you're a drummer. Yeah. I did a few stints in some small bands. Um, did, a yeah, did a stint. Uh, I played, drums in a little punk band called the spent um which just came something the guy who played guitar and sang would say he'd be like i'm spent and then we needed a band name and so we were the spent it there was you go terrible um but yeah i mean i mostly played guitar in a band called uh life interrupted okay uh which was uh post hardcore those guys had been in a band called Bloodroot or something i think like um that they were like super metal um but by the time I got there, it was more post-hardcore emo. I, I, I wanted to sound like Hope's Fall and rip, rip off Hope's Fall riffs. There you um, go. Our, our drummer was really into metal and glam metal, and he just wanted to play metal. And um, We wrote some good songs. We, we, we were the most practiced band in America. <laughs> and we, we never played a lot of shows, um, which, was, which was disappointing. But yeah, I mean, I was in that band for probably a year and a half. And and then once we started playing shows, I I quit because I, I I don't know I wanted to be Dashboard Confessional and I had all these solo songs I'd written, so I, I quit to go solo. <laughs> there you go, Caraba uh, style. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I loved Chris Caraba and Dashboard. It made sense. What got you into actually speaking? You know, doing speaking uh, gigs like uh, on microphone. I assume uh, as the story grows, wasn't your first. Yeah, so I've been podcasting in some form uh, for 11 years now. So when I was doing audiobooks towards the end of my run in that, we had decided to start a podcast for the company. Uh, called, the company was called Graphic Audio. Um, we had decided podcasting was this new thing, then we were going to do a podcast. And it was very freeform and without uh, ideas. Um but it was one of those things that was fun to do. And it was like, okay, it's my turn to podcast. So I'm just going to go and sit in a recording booth and hit record and just talk on mic and make things up and try to come up with things. Um, and that was my first podcasting experience. At the same time, some friends of mine had a website that they were running called Washington Sports Jam, which was a the sports site to talk about mostly the Redskins and Wizards in D.C., um, and, and one day I was like, why aren't you guys talking about the hockey team? They're the only good team in DC. And they're like, well, you come on the podcast and talk hockey and you can be our hockey reporter. Um, so, uh, yeah, I started covering 
the Washington Capitals, um, which was fun. And uh, yeah, I just started appearing on their podcast to talk. And then the two of those guys, the guys who hosted it, uh, one was in law school. The other one was married with kids. And they were like, we can't host this podcast anymore. And we're going to look for a new host. And I was like, well, I can do it. I got time. I got experience. I got equipment. I can host it. Um, so that was my first hosting gig. Um, around the same time, uh, in 2010, uh, I started this radio show called The Meltdown, which was just, I was like, why can't there be a radio show that has plays Deftones and MXPX and Mighty Mighty Boss Tones and, you know, Jimmy World and whatever, all in one place. Sure. And so I, I started that, uh, been doing that for 10 years now too, um, which is crazy. When you, when you start things when you're 25, you don't expect to do them 10 years later. Yeah, absolutely not. I mean, everything everything when you're young is supposed to start, you know, be, be in short two-year runs. Yeah. Right. Or or go somewhere. Right. Yeah, well, there's and, and that too. And bigger and like, and it's just like, well, it's the same place it's been for 10 years, but it's like, I can't quit doing it because I'm like, oh, I'll quit. And then I'm like, no, I have an idea and it'll be good. <laughs> right. So, um, how, how did you end up getting, getting in touch with, uh, Travis and as the story grows, I met Travis at, uh, the Hey Mercedes every night fireworks, 15 year anniversary tour here in Philly. Um, I had started listening, listening to as the story grows. I really got big into listening to podcasts, um, when I was training for a marathon, um, and as the story grows and bad Christian and urban achiever, were all kind of happening at the same time. And I added those into my catalog with like NPR podcast. I was already listening to, and I, I worked in public radio at the time. So, um, I was already a fan of as the story grows. And I just, I went to the same Mercedes show by myself. Cause that's what I do. And, um, I just noticed Travis at the merch table from his avatar on Twitter and I walked up to him and he moved to like, let me go to the merch table. And I was like, no, 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 you're Travis from As the Story Grows. And he was like, holy shit, you recognize me. Here's a bunch of stickers. Let me buy you a drink. Right. Um, <laughs> it sounds about right. As, as, as one does. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this was right about the time that uh, Stephen had left the show and like publicly burnt down their Facebook page. And it was a thing. Uh, <laughs> oh, OK. Uh, so I was just talking to Travis and like, yeah, we just connected that night and he hit me up on Twitter and I was like in that conversation he said he hated editing the podcast that it was not his favorite thing to do sure um and I was like well I could edit it I got time I can help you out if you need it and he was like oh, why and I was like it seems like it would be a cool thing to do like yeah I'll give you a hand help you out sure and he said uh he'd let me edit the Ryan Parrish episode um and he was like okay you know what you're doing you're you're good to go and yeah we had a good uh working relationship it's cool and then it wasn't it wasn't too too long after that. Um, I want to say maybe a year or so. I remember um, I remember this distinctly because I got I woke up at like four o'clock in the morning uh, to go to work, and I was like trying to stay awake or whatever. And a new episode of as the story grows popped up on my feed, and um, <laughs> and it was uh, yeah, it was like a no thank God moment. Like I have something to listen to while I drive to work, and um, it was an interview. I think it was with. Um, Oh my God, it's escaping me. Mike, uh, Mike Porter, Mike Porter. Yep. That's that was the first one I did. Yep. Yep. And I was like, 
wait, who's this? You know, like I, I didn't know, you know, I was like, who, who is, who is this? And it was funny because there was no explanation at all. No, it was just, it was literally just like, yeah, welcome to the next chapter of as the story grows. And, um, and I listened to that cause I mean, obviously a big six feet deep fan and, uh, Bradson, you know, uh, and all that, uh, did he just, I, I guess just hand it over to you one day and be like, Hey, can you do this one for me or. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it was a journey to that point. Um, yeah, I had been doing editing, and um, over that time, we we did some pretty big uh, anniversary episodes. Um, we did the Atonement, or not the Atonement, the Advent of a Miracle 20th anniversary episode, um, which was a little disappointing because we didn't get all the interviews we wanted for that. Um, but over that point, we did the Reborn episode where Travis gave me like six hours worth of audio interviews and, and I pieced it together the way I did. I, it's something I'm super proud of. And I wish I had time to do more of those because it was, um, it was a beast of an episode to work on, but it was super cool to do. Oh yeah, dude, uh, it was all star. It was all star cast. And yeah, no, yeah, it's, I, that's one of the best episodes that exists of the podcast. I, I, I think so. It, it, I'm super pleased with how it came together. Um, and and also along the way, uh, Travis had a guest. Um, uh, I can't remember who it was. Um, doesn't matter. Travis didn't know anything about them. So he was like, hey, do you know anything about this band? And I was like, yeah. And so I gave him all the questions to ask, essentially. Uh, and at that point, I was like, well, if I'm going to contribute. And Travis kept saying he wanted me to contribute more, to do more in the show. Um and so I was like, well, if I'm going to try to book guests, I'm going to reach out and tell people I'm a producer because I'm giving Travis questions. I'm with the living sacrifice. We did the braid episode. I was like, I'm, I'm in a producer's role at this point. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to pat myself on the back and give myself a, a title. Um, so it's not just a random person loosely affiliated with the show, emailing people. Um, sure. Sure. So I booked clank for Travis. Um, so I was bitter that he did that interview and left me out of it, but that's okay. Oh my I'm, God, I'm dude. Yeah. Clank is so uh, much fun to talk to. It was great. Yeah. But yeah, I, I booked Mike Porter and Travis. He, I don't remember if he couldn't make it that night, but he was like, it's yours. Do it. I don't, I don't care. And, and that's how that came up. That's awesome. And, and, and so I think I did like three before taking over as host. It was Mike Porter, Matt Traxler, also from Branson and steadfast records. And, uh, Neil Samoy, who was in Stavesacre. So those were just uh, so those were just kind of randoms that, that you had done. See, when I, the way I interpreted it as a listener was like, oh, we're slowly transitioning, you know, um, in into another host, which I guess in a certain sense it worked that way. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess just one day he was just like, yeah, I don't want to do it anymore. You, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's it. Yeah, um, yeah, I did those episodes kind of as one offs. Either Travis couldn't make them, or he didn't want to. He wasn't that interested, and. In not that he wasn't interested in the guest, but it was like, he was just like, you do it, you take it, right? Um, and at some point he said, like, it was a test to see if I could host. And uh, uh-huh. I, who knows if that was actually the case or not. But sure. Yeah. W- one day he called me up and he said, hey, I'm done with this show. I don't want to do it anymore. I, I'm tired. Like all his list of reasons. I'd rather play music than just sit on a podcast and talk about music. He said, he said, what I would do is I would do my final episode or not do a final episode and just walk away, burn it down, get rid of the social medias, get rid of the website, just be done. Like, boom, burn it down and walk away. Um, he said, but you're a part of the show now. So you have the option to do it if you'd like. And if you want to take over and host the show and keep it going, you can. And I was like, of course I do. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
because it was I was enjoying the editing process, and I knew like I had to grow into interviewing people, um, which is a process. Um, trying to figure out the differences between me and Travis, um, but I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed being part of the scene, um, and and I mean since since I took over, it's been great and a joy, and we've had killer interviews. But yeah, he said if you want it, it's yours, and you know, taking over a podcast with a name that you can sell to people is way easier than picking up and uh, trying to start your own thing. So um, it, it works out. I mean, hosts change on shows all the time uh, on TV and radio. That's that's how life works. And so, uh, yeah, I've, I've been grateful to take over and be the host of the show. Yeah, and you've had some cool interviews too. Like, um, you know, some, some of the ones that, that, that really stood out to me was like the Tim Mann yeah. Um, it, it seemed like, it seemed like, and then you'd had, um, I can't remember his name now from overcome Jason and, Stinson, Jason Stinson. That's right. And, um, basically like, you know, it seems like a lot of those, um, interviews, those guys kind of popped in already having a story to tell, you know, um, and, and you facilitated that <laughs> for them perfectly. Gave them a, gave them an outlet. Yeah. We had a run there. And if I would if I was smarter and if the show was structured this way, I'm kind of glad it's not. But if I was smarter, I was like, you could do a season, right? The way podcasts have seasons. And I would just do like, this is as the story grows season, whatever. And we're doing Tim Mann and Jeff Chakai and Jason Stinson and Mick Cox. And we're just going to run through all the old school spirit filled guys. And that'll be a season. And then whatever comes next. I'm glad the show doesn't work like this because it gives me the flexibility to just talk to whoever I want, whenever I want and continually pump out content. Um, as hard as that can be sometimes it's, I think it's better than being like, here's my 10 episode season then wait six months for me to come back with another 10 episodes or something. Right. Sure. I don't know. That break sounds kind of nice though. Doesn't <laughs> it? Like what? Well, I don't even, I don't even know what a break is at this point. Um, yeah. What, speaking speaking of that, you know, uh, podcasts can definitely take take their toll. Um, I know it doesn't to the listener. It doesn't sound like maybe it's as much where it sounds like we're all just out having fun all the time, talking to awesome people, and you know, doing doing what we do. What has been um, what has been uh, a struggle for you as far as far as this stuff goes, or maybe maybe something that um, maybe something that that you wish w- was different about podcasting. Um. I mean, booking guests is a pain in the ass. You yeah. Know that. Yeah, um, I do. People don't answer emails. People don't see emails. It's tough because like, you know, as the story grows is basically it, it feeds off nostalgia. Right. Yeah. Um, so you're diving, you're searching for people on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever. And, and that is how you're trying to find and hit people up. It's like, okay, I got this guy's Facebook page. I'm going to send him a message that's going to go into his request folder that he's probably not going to see. And I got crossed my fingers. Um, so it's good when you have people recommend and hook you up with phone numbers. And um, But booking sucks, man. Booking is the worst. There's so many cool people. And I'm like, if they would just look in their emails, we could have amazing guests all the time. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they would do it because sometimes people don't want to do it. I've had people guests who people really want to hear their side of the story on um who've just said no thank you i'm not interested that's not my life anymore i don't want to do it which is fine disappointing but fine i get it yeah totally and you know if i can throw one thing out too is is the um the the amount of people that tell you yes 
and then just go completely radio silent after that. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah. That's just like, oh my goodness. And it's not like all gloom and doom. I mean, it, it's one of those things where people always say things like, oh, you have such great guests, or you, you do this and this and this and this, and you're like, oh man, if you could see how many emails I've sent out, <laughs> you would think that you, you'd be you'd be blown away by the type of guest that could potentially come on the show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the guest is like, for shows like these, the guests are so key. I feel like for discography discussion or discuss metal, I maybe even brutally speaking, um, I'll admit I don't listen to that one as often. Um, but I, I think like somebody asked me the difference between me and Travis as as the story grows host. And and I think in a, in a dumb way to describe it, I said Travis wanted to be Jimmy Fallon. Yeah. And I want to be Terry Gross. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's Travis. Travis was a big personality and, and like, not that the show was about him, but there was a whole lot more of Travis on as the story grows than there is me, because it's like, people are not tuning in to listen to me. Maybe pe- more people would listen if I were if I had more personality on the show, but I'm like, people want to hear what Tim Mann has to say. Uh, you know, Daniel Terry's going to come on and talk for an hour and I don't have to say anything. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's-, that's, that's fine. Like, there's a story there to tell. And, and that's the purpose is let other people tell the story and not interject with, Oh, that one time I did whatever. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, I can't speak to it. I'm very guilty of that. Um, <laughs> also, but, um, you know, but what are some things that, you know, make it, make it worth it? Like through, throughout the frustrations and the irritations of people not getting back or, or, you know, maybe the amount of time that it takes away from your family to edit and, and, and promote and all of that. I mean, yeah. I mean, the benefits, like the, the relationship aspect is, is great. Um, I mean, you and me connected because of this podcast, um, n- like Neil Samoy, I talked to him often enough. He's one of the first guests, Matt Traxler from Steadfast Records. I talked to that dude all the time on Instagram. Um, I got, because of this podcast. Um, my little record label got to put out Ryan Parrish's the in parallel record. Um, so I got to work with like dude from hope. So I'll put their album out on vinyl, like because of this podcast, like, <laughs> and I had a relationship with her. It like that stuff is super cool. Like the friendships are the best part. And it's, it's weird when I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm just like texting and Facebook friends with these musicians who I listened to in my teenage years. <laughs> It's a little weird, right? Because you're just like, you want to make sure not to be like, hey, you know, I listen to your albums for like thousands of hours, right? You know, because right, yeah. it, right. it becomes creepy at some point, you know? <laughs> um, I didn't know about the record label, though. Um, I didn't know that you put vinyl releases out. Maybe I should have known that. Maybe I should have oh, done my homework. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a small, I've not really done much with it in the last two years. Um, but yeah, I, I started a small record label called, uh, something beautiful records. Um, and I've done, uh, the first release, like it started my, before I moved from Philadelphia from DC, I had started playing with this band called East ghost. Um, I'd recorded their first EP. Uh, they recorded with their second record they did with Mike. Uh, I don't remember his name, but he'd worked with dashboard confessional and brand new. Um, and so I was playing guitar live with them and like we were in Philly and I was listening to their record all the time. And I was like, this record's so good and it would sound really good on vinyl. And so my wife was on board with me starting a record label to put this out on vinyl. Um, 
And I did that. I've done a few cassette releases. Um, I did a CD release for a post-rock band called Solonar, who was a friend of mine uh, from Florida. And then uh, In Parallel was the last record I did, um, vinyl release for Broken Codes. And um, yeah, it's just really cool to, you know, it's, it's it's one of those things where it was not successful by any stretch of the imagination. Doesn't sound like that was the goal either, though. No, it was just to put out music and to have fun. And it was like something I wanted to do as like, you know, a, some people love music and want to be musicians and play in bands. And like, I enjoy playing music and being in bands was fun, but like, you know, putting out records is just as fun. Recording records is just as fun for me. Doing podcast and talking to artists is just as fun for me as playing. So um, to be able to put something out and say, hey, look what I did. Like, that's super cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you there. I, I, I actually have found that I enjoy doing podcasting more than probably some of the other stuff that I did, you know, <laughs> yeah. previously. It's just, there's just kind of a... I wouldn't say it's a rush, but it's definitely, um, I don't know. It's a very unique feeling that I, I think almost that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, to, to make it a little cheesy, um, dream guest who, who, if you, if you didn't have to go through all the red tape to get a guest, who would be the first person that you would go and get Jason Martin from Starflyer 59. I, I mean, I, every time they put out a record, I ask, um, yeah. And, and I mean, Jeff Cloud was like, he's basically said as soon as he's open to do an interview like that, you're the first person I'll call. Nice. Uh, and I'm, so that's cool. Um, yeah. I'm, or Ian Mackay. I mean, I, I love Fugazi and uh, yeah, I'd love to talk to Ian Mackay. All right. So you got into tooth and nail records when you were younger, just like the rest of us. Um, what are your, uh, what are your favorite tooth and nail releases? It can, doesn't have to be classic tooth and nail. It can be anything. I'm not even going to put a number on it. Cause I hate top threes and top fives and stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, I mean, Stave's Acre Speakeasy is his tops for sure. Um, I mean, after all this time, what is it 20, 21 years now? Um, it's been it, a minute. It's, it's, it still gets me, man. Those songs still hit hard and um, the lyrics are great. And um, that one still tops. Uh, Living Sacrifices, the hammering process never gets old. Big MXPX fan, big Starflower 59 fan. Uh, Roadside Monument, Roadside Monument released three killer records. Driver Eight's Watermelon. Um, oh my God, I love that record. It's so good. Oh my God, it is so <laughs> I wish, good. I wish they would have released more. Um, I mean, for new, newer-ish stuff, I mean, Beloved, Failure On, Dead Poetic, New Medicine. I, I mean, like, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. New Medicine, that that was one of my... It's so weird, too. Uh, that record came out, and I remember loving it, loving, loving it, but then feeling like it absolutely got crushed by Under Oath when they released uh, Chasing Safety. Like It just seemed like nobody talked about Dead Poetic anymore after that record came out. Yeah, and at that point, like I was over Under Oath, so like I didn't care. I saw Dead Poetic live right after they signed to Tooth & Nail, uh, it was Further Seems Forever, Narcissist, and then uh, Tooth and Nails, two newest signings, Dead Poetic and Me Without You. And it was a bonkers show. Oh, that does sound sound incredible. Now, that wasn't the first time you saw Me Without You, was it? That was, yeah. Oh, okay. They had just signed a Tooth and Nail. Okay, yeah, I remember you telling us about that, and it was on discography discussion when we did uh, Me Without You. Yeah, you were like, I have no idea what to expect uh, going yeah. into this band. Yeah, and then I saw them. They played with Norma Jean a short while later, and that show was crazy because Norma Jean had just released "Bless the Martyr," and um, they knocked out the power to the church. Um, Thirty <laughs> seconds into, uh, I used to hate 
I was it. I used to hate car accidents. Now I hit, or I used to hate cell phones. Now I hate car accidents. Yeah. Uh, it was like 30 seconds and like the power went out and they tried like three times and then they knocked out power to the whole block. Oh my it goodness. Was amazing. That's insane. The That's, almighty Norma Jean, everybody. There you go. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, is- go ahead. <laughs> No, I just said the hype is real. Oh, the hype is very real with Norma <laughs> Jean. Was. Yeah, I could go on and on for hours about Norma Jean, and I have, so we'll move <laughs> on. Um, what what advice do you have for anybody that's starting off a new project or a new podcast or, or anything like that? Is there anything that you've learned that you feel would be integral to somebody that was starting a podcast tomorrow? Because you know somebody is. Do whatever you want, man. Just like, I mean, it's it's terrible advice, but like, do something that you enjoy and that you you like. Um, I mean, I've I've done a bunch of podcasts over the last eleven years. I had a religion and politics podcast I hosted for two and a half, three years. That um, sounds terrifying. It was a lot of fun until twenty sixteen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I bet. And then then it was terrifying, and uh, I, I, we ended up burning a lot of bridges. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I did that. It was fun. I did. I tried a baseball podcast for a little bit because I'm a huge baseball fan, and um, it just got boring talking to the microphone and no other people about baseball. Um, me, me and my wife will occasionally do a podcast for like a date night, just where we just rank movies or stupid stuff. Um, I don't, just have fun. Do what you want. Um, people, people like the great thing about how connected we are on social media is you like sometimes I, I said it sucks trying to get a hold of people on social media. It did absolutely does. But like people are there and willing to talk to you and like, yeah, you got to do what you love. You got to be passionate about it. Like if I didn't care about music so much, I, I wouldn't do this. I mean, it helps. I could talk to new artists. I could talk to old artists. It doesn't matter. Like if the music is good, I'm in on it. Very cool. Yeah. It's uh, it's definitely, it's definitely hard to start something and not just want to, immediately make it great, you know, or immediately yeah. make it, you know, um, I so mean, it, it, I think that is good advice. Just do what yeah. you want instead of making a bunch of rules for yourself. Yeah. I mean, it takes time. Like, you know, I, I still feel like a, a poser sometimes like, I, why am I, why am I doing this? I'm, I can't interview. I'm not good. And, um, early on when I took over, when I interviewed Mike Porter, I was like, oh, this interview is shit. <laughs> and like, uh, that's, that's, and I've, I've had some other ones where I'm like, that was just not good. Um, but you know, I, I kind of learned not to care. We've had some shorter as the story grows lately. And instead of being like, oh man, that's a bummer. That was only a 20 minute, 23 minute conversation. It's like, well, it was a really good 20 minute conversation. So let's, let's let that stand on its own. Not every episode has to be an hour and a half of somebody wrenching their soul. Like, yeah, like it's a good half hour episode. It's a good 20 minute episode. Like go with it. Not everybody has a big story to tell newer artists don't have long history to talk about, like do what you do well. And like, yeah, if I had to have every podcast be an hour, I'd have nothing to share with the world. Yeah. I hear that. Not everybody's, not everybody's long winded either. You know, some people just say what they mean quickly and concisely. Um, I'm not one of those people, but, uh, (laughs) and sometimes as a podcast listener, I appreciate when I get an episode and it's shorter and I'm like, okay, yes, this one's not, so long. Awesome. I agree. It's really good for commutes. I assume most people listen to podcasts when they're driving or, you know, running a marathon. We can't all be marathon runners. But hey, no. that, that Mike Porter one kept me awake for an hour drive to work. So, I mean, you know. Wasn't that bad? <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't that bad. No, it was good. Yeah. Um, but Brian, thank you so much, man. I really wanted to uh, 
I really, really just kind of wanted to pick your brain on some things. And, um, and I think this was fun and, and people, anybody that complains that they didn't hear enough of you on my episode, um, now they're going to hear a bunch of you on your episode. We got that for the we got that for the history books, the podcasting uh, chronicles or whatever. So perfect, very cool. Well, you take care of yourself, and we will probably catch you sooner or later on an episode of discography discussion. It happens fairly frequently, so I'm sure we will.